0: and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and will be talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Jan, do you want to tell us something about this movie? Yeah, first of all, is that really how
1: you're pronouncing Azkaban?
0: Azkaban. No, (laughs) Azkaban. Alakazam. Do you remember before, like, The book came out, and it was like, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Nonsense Word that I don't know and can't understand. Yes. It was hard to remember what the title of the book was until it came out, because it was like, Azkaban, what is that?
1: Yep, absolutely. Even now, I have people come into the library, and they're like, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of, you know, the third one. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right, so... Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a 2004 film. It's directed by Alfonso Curran. It, uh, it is, of course, based on the novel by J.K. Rowling, but it was written, the screenplay was written by Steve Kloves. It is produced by Chris Columbus, though not directed this time around. It stars Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, Robbie Coltrane, the new Dumbledore, Michael Gambon, and introducing... Uh, a little-known actor by the name of Gary Oldman as Sirius Black, and David Thewlis as Remus Lupin. Everyone else... Oh, and Emma Thompson as Professor Trelawney. There's a lot, of actually, new characters in this one. Mm-hmm. As well as the our same old people from all the other movies. <laughs> Alan Rickman, Maggie Smith, Julie Waters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Paul, in case you have been living in a Harry Potterless world for the past... 20 years, what is Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban about?
0: Harry Potter learns that the escaped murderer, Sirius Black, is hunting him down with a vendetta and furthermore learns that Sirius Black was responsible indirectly for the betrayal and death of his parents. Sirius Black hunts Harry Potter down at Hogwarts Castle, but In a surprising twist, it turns out that Sirius was never hunting Harry Potter. He was hunting Peter Pettigrew, who was the true betrayer of Harry's parents and has been hiding all along as Ron Weasley's pet rat scabbers. Pettigrew escapes, Sirius's name is not cleared, but he becomes a fugitive and Harry believes in his innocence. And now Harry has a godfather who he trusts and believes in.
1: That was a weird summary, but okay. What <laughs> was weird about that? Um, You neglected to mention that he frees him.
0: Yeah, he frees and him. And
1: there's He's a whole bunch of adventures. Timey-wimey. There. And there's some time travel. Um, So objectively, we're going to talk about just the movie. We're going to try not to do too much <laughs> book-movie comparisons like our previous episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I want to mention... If you've listened to our two previous episodes on Harry Potter, you'll know that Paul and I have a personal little romantic history with Harry Potter in that we started dating watching the first one. And uh, so I looked this up before we started recording that Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban came out in May of 2004, which means that we got married that summer. So in May of 2004, we were engaged and we went to go see it together.
0: We definitely saw it in theaters together on a date.
1: Aww. Aww. So, objectively, how good of a movie is this movie?
0: I feel that uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban is one of the most mixed in terms of quality. It Mm -hmm. is a real hodgepodge. It has very high highs and very low lows. Yep. In my estimation, just in terms of the quality of filmmaking. And I want to start... In terms of highlights, Afonso Curran as a director, uh, there are moments in this movie that are just beautiful,
1: mm-hmm.
0: both in conception and in execution. And things like the shots of the castle, the outside, the way we return again and again to the whomping willow, and it is, they're creative and imaginative shots of like a bird flies by and the whomping willow kills it
1: yeah it shows every season with the whomping willow interacting with each season
0: and we see the passage of time or there's a moment there's a shot where hedwig flies away and then flies into winter Mm
1: -hmm. like
0: that's just a beautiful shot there's the scene near the beginning where the boys are all uh like playing some wizard game and doing animal sounds and things and like And they're in the warm, like we get such a sense of the cozy warmth in the castle and the camera zooms out to the, uh, stormy weather outside the castle with the Dementors flying outside. There's just a number. I could keep going and going. Mm. I'm going to name just one more, which is we have ghosts all the way through. And at one point, the ghosts on their horses come crashing through the windows and the windows are ghost windows so we have the crashing sound of glass and a ghost horse comes like careening through the castle and then the window is unbroken Mm -hmm. and that's just really uh imaginative and effective it gives this the castle this uh sense of being lived in so i think he's really has some very good highs especially moments without people in them honestly Mm. yeah. He's the broad shots and the scenery and they're like zooming in on the bridge. And like he establishes this space beautifully. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a high. And I think there's a beauty. I mean, we praised in the past Chris Columbus as building the world. hmm And there are things about this world that disconnects between this world and the world of the previous two movies that I kind of yes. preferred the previous movies. Especially we've mentioned before the... This movie starts shifting blue, mm-hmm. starts the trend of magic looks blue, and Chris Columbus's magic looked gold, and I like the warmth of the gold better.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But that said, there's a real beauty to this world that is a different kind of beauty, a kind of surreal beauty that Chris Columbus didn't do, and is a real highlight of this movie, I think.
1: I agree, I agree. That is one of the big highlights, is this the direction and these sh- cool shots. I think that this movie is very fast-paced. Things mm-hmm. just happen boom 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 right on top of each other. Yeah. And in some ways that's good cuz it keeps you kind of on the edge of your seat. There's no there's not a lot of dragging. Yeah. Except with some of these long shots, but they are that breaks it up well.
0: Yeah, I don't think that I would call those dragging no. personally. No.
1: But, and there's not like these incredibly long Quidditch scenes to drag, the drag out. And I know that some people like the Quidditch scenes, Sarah, but other people don't, me. Um, <laughs> so, there's, yeah, there's not as much of that, but also, wow, does it go fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're st- we were talking about highlights. But yes. if you're talking about pacing, I think that pace- the pacing of this movie is a mixed ba- a mixed blessing yes, or a mixed bag. Exactly. That it definitely uh, keeps you on your toes and keeps moving. But we said this about the first two movies, and I say it again, I think more even than the first two movies. If I hadn't read the books, I'm not sure I would be able to follow this story. Especially this one. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. Especially this one. Um, I mean, I would because I'm very smart, but most people...
1: (laughs) I like, um, we talked in previous movies about the world building and this world adds Hogsmeade. And I really like the way Hogsmeade is laid out as a village, as a, you know, you go into some of the shops and see what they're like. And they're very imaginative and very in-world and they are like, it's like Diagon Alley, but it's a little bit different. It's a little more rural and it's, yeah, the world building and the set building is quite, quite good in this movie. In terms of the acting, I mean, the child actors just keep getting better and better, I think. Espe- I mean, Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson definitely have improved so much in in that they could. Uh, Rupert Grint is not up to them, but has drastically improved over his performance
0: in Chamber of Secrets. I agree. I think actually, uh, for my... In my estimation, Emma Watson is the one who has improved the least between the previous movie. Mm,
1: Yeah, you may be right.
0: I feel like Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint are catching up to her in this movie. Mm,
1: You may be right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We have new Dumbledore, Michael Mm. Gambon. Yes. uh, Who I like in some ways. In some ways, he's just... I feel like he's got more power behind him. Yeah. I feel like I said about about Richard Harris that he felt like he was very fragile. This Dumbledore has power Mm -hmm. underneath the surface, but he also is not as whimsical.
0: No, not at
1: all. This is not a whimsical Dumbledore and I miss a whimsy in him. Mm -hmm. And that's disappointing. Um,
0: I feel like this is one of my favorite, uh, Michael Gavin Dumbledore is this movie. mm. Um, but I don't generally like my old Kilgavin's Dumbledore very much. Mm-hmm. So I still, I like Richard Harris's Dumbledore better. And in this movie, like, I don't get, I'm look forward to looking forward to previous movies, which maybe I shouldn't do, but I don't get in this movie the way I do in some of the others, the sense that Dumbledore is uh, secretly a supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> Michael mm-hmm. Gavin sometimes plays Dumbledore. Like he is... Uh, has absolutely nefarious motives. hmm Absolutely. Um, but his, he has a couple of these, like, profound lines, and I think they're a little bit like, uh-huh, <laughs> let him sleep. For in the sleep there is the, we throw through the blah, blah, blah. And I, yeah. it may be the writing, but it. I just don't think he quite sells me on that line. If it is sellable, he doesn't do it.
1: Mm-hmm. It feels like he delivers great wisdom lines at completely inappropriate moments. Yeah. Like he delivers the, if one would just remember to turn on the light, but like over in a speech to all the kids, like that doesn't really fit there. And, and maybe that's a critique that, that
0: of the writing of the script yeah, rather than the... F- than the acting. Yes, yeah. absolutely. That's the script.
1: Um, Any I other like
0: highlights in terms of acting? In terms we- of
1: acting, I like... Um, Emma Thompson as Professor Trelawney. She, it is
0: one of my all time favorite Emma Thompson roles. <laughs> yeah.
1: She's not at all the way I imagine her from the book, but nope. she still is really funny and really good. The part where she's like insulting Hermione, um, <laughs> insert clip here. <laughs> Like, I know, our kids were like, she's really mean. And I'm like, yeah, she is. <laughs> and yeah. it's funny, too, because, like, of course, this is completely unlike Book Trelawney would never be like that. Because Book Trelawney is just completely uh, ignorant
0: to any kind of insults. Well, I guess she, I don't know. She says in the movie, was it something I said, but I don't buy that. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, Book Trelawney is seen, always seems so funny. Kind of fragile,
1: fragile. Yes, exactly. And Emma Thompson's Trelawney is not, but that's no, okay, and that's fun. Fine. And yeah,
0: I like and love.
1: I quite quite like her. Um, David Thulis and and Gary Oldman mm-hmm. are both. This is borrowed a little bit from the wonderful podcast, which please. They're too old to be friends of Harry's parents. They both feel like they're maybe in their 50s when they should be in their early 30s. Yeah. And they're... I like David Thewlis' Lupin. I do feel like he doesn't quite nail the... He seems old rather than tired. Mm. He should be tired to me. He just doesn't quite nail it. And Sirius Black just feels like he's always yelling. He doesn't really get a lot
0: no, to do in this. he doesn't get a lot to do in this
1: one. He doesn't get the long explanations like he does in the book. But it just didn't feel like he sh- that Gary Oldman could show much range in this.
0: I, even apart from Witch Please, Gary Oldman's uh, Sirius Black is not a fan favorite casting mm-hmm. move. Yeah, I'm a minority. Yeah, I really quite like his mm-hmm. serious black. I t- I don't dispute he's like he's old for the role. Yeah. Uh I personally hand wave that by saying, well, he's prematurely aged by being an Azkaban. Yes,
1: him it makes sense. It's and David
0: Thewlis is prematurely aged by, by ha- being a werewolf. a werewolf. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I mean, that is me tap dancing to make up for. Uh, they could have just cast someone younger and it would have been better, but I think I like them both quite a yeah. lot, actually. And I like, uh, Sirius Black is very yelly. It's true. But I like the sense of like, he is at the end of his rope and like, yeah, <laughs> desperation that he sells me on mm-hmm. in that confrontation scene in the shack. And I also really like that quiet moment where he's. Maybe you could come and live with me. No, okay. Well, I understand you don't want to. Uh, I think he does both of those quite well. Hmm. But I, under- I also recognize that I'm a minority opinion, and that a lot of people think he is improperly cast. Mm-hmm. And it, I've heard I like that's a fair point.
1: Yeah. Anything else? Um, low lights. We've kind of both doing both low lights and highlights there, but real low lights.
0: I mean, in terms of lowlights, I think there is, I think this movie is uneven.
1: mm mm-hmm.
0: uh, The direction is uneven. And so you get, like, moments of real uh, beauty and creativity. And you get, like, I presume we're going to talk about it uh, in more depth under seriousness, But just in terms of the quality, the the night bus scene Mm -hmm. is, well, the first 15 minutes, there are two points at which they're, like, reused shots. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Twice. The scene of, like, uh, Vernon comes into Harry's room is, like, if it's not an actually reused shot, it's played exactly the same so much the same that it feels like a recycled shot and isn't good directing. Mm-hmm. And then on the night bus, he like smashes up against the window and then he smashes up against the window again. And it looks, there's, and I think it is. There's
1: more than just that. Literally
0: the same shot reused.
1: There's more than just that because later on, uh there's opening, uh Lupin opens his trunk in the exact same way twice. I wonder if that's a time travel hint Like, maybe looping is a thing, but if it is, it's badly done.
0: I don't think so. I think it's just, like, if that is an indication of time loops, like, it is not well done. No, it's not. Definitely not. Especially for a move with so much creativity in the direction, reusing shots, and, like, I don't know. It may just be that they recreated the same thing twice. It plays as if he's actually reusing exact bits of film more mm-hmm. than once. And it just seems lazy. Yeah. Especially the beginning. Like it happens mostly yeah, in, the beginning. in the beginning. It seems like the first part of this movie just he did not care much about. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, yeah.
1: Also in terms of special effects... I do not like Buckbeak. I do not like the werewolf. I do not like the dog. All three of those animals are just not well rendered, not well done. It is 2004, so there's a little bit of an excuse. But they're not even as good as Dobby was in the last no, movie. I think... Yeah. This I feel like Buckbeak just doesn't quite fit in the world. He's, this is a silly complaint, but I feel like he's too small. Yeah. But then also he's not, his coloring is just kind of off. He just looks like he's been placed into the world instead of an organic part of it.
0: Yeah. And I'm aware I feel like, that special now, effects are hard. Here's a question about, I agree. I don't like any of them. And I, I might talk about it. Uh, if we're talking just purely about the craft, do you think that it's a problem in design, or do you think that it's a problem in effects and execution? Mm.
1: For Buckbeak, I think it's just effects and execution. For the werewolf, it's design. It's everything about the werewolf. I just hate the way it looks. It doesn't look like...
0: He looks kind of shiny in terms of execution. He looks kind of plastic and shiny Mm -hmm. also.
1: And And his character design is... Yeah, just awful. I think
0: I feel like th- we talked more about that in terms of how much you liked it mm-hmm. because uh, that's an element of like they had an idea and went with it, and you can think it's a bad idea, but that's not really the
1: yeah that might of not be the objective skill, right? Yeah,
0: that's a good point. And the dog, I feel like the dog is pretty is relatively well done in terms of the craft. I behind guess it. I don't know. It's not the best.
1: It's not the best.
0: Was the transformation scene, the uh, uh Peter turning into a rat and back?
1: Yeah, I those, feel like is quite good is special effects. Yeah.
0: It's really compelling actually, memorably compelling mm-hmm. special effects. Are there any for you uh low lights in terms of performances?
1: No, I think I mentioned Gary Oldman is not my favorite in this, but no, I really like everyone's.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think everyone has improved uh, in this movie. All the regulars have improved. Draco and Ron are the low points compared to their other to the other actors, but they're both doing a fine job in this movie, mm-hmm. especially compared to last movie. Yeah.
1: So, apart from objectively, we've gone on a bit long here, but how much do you enjoy this movie?
0: I enjoy it a lot more than I enjoy The Chamber of Secrets. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of my enjoyment, uh, it's uneven. I think it gets better as it goes. Um, but the first half of it, I have a lot of things I am not a big fan of. Fan of in terms of enjoyment. I think the slapstick around Aunt Marge is... I'm not like... (sighs) Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sigh about it. We'll talk more about the bus scene in the two seriously. But just in terms of enjoyment, I hate it. Mm -hmm. The the night bus, I hate everything about it. Uh, And here in terms of enjoyment, like it's long... Longer than it needs to be. It's wacky, like, full of fake peril. Yeah. Like, they're going to crash into things. Wow, That, like, is tedious. hmm The shrunken head, we'll talk more about in a sec, but just even in terms of enjoyment, like, is cracking bad puns all mm-hmm. the time. That are just...
1: They aren't even puns, really. They're bad. bad. They're just
0: bad wisecracking. Yeah. Uh... Everything about it seems amateurish Mm -hmm. in terms of writing. Uh, I don't like it at all. So that's that,
1: that colors the whole movie. So you don't like the whole movie or do you like.
0: But I do very much enjoy. I don't like. I mean. Oh, and I also I hate the werewolf. The werewolf. We talked a second ago, I kind of defended it in terms of craft. But if I'm talking about enjoyment, I'm a million percent with you. I hate the design of that werewolf. Like, I hate it. I hate the werewolf enough that it colors the movie for me. Mm -hmm. I hate how scraggly the dog looks. I want him to look more bigger and more powerful. And like, even though Sirius Black is all scraggly, I want the dog to look a little bit more, a little bit less... Bedraggled, mangy. Um. So that I don't like, Mm -hmm. but I think they do the uh, time turner stuff really well. Mm -hmm. I think it's really clear how the time travel works. More clear in the movie than it is in the book. Exactly how it's working. Yes, I definitely. I like the effect of it. I think time travel is fun.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so that all that is a lot of fun and I really like uh, you don't like Buckbeak I wish he was gold and brown instead of gray and blue but I think he's got some personality and I think the scene with Harry flying around on him makes me want to fly on a hippogriff and I like so that I kind of just like and if you're keeping track of the Did It Make Paul Cry Count one of the best performances, one of the best performance moments in Harry Potter, for my money, is Hagrid skipping stones about Buckbeak. And like, yeah, they did this. And then, and he just can't contain, they're gonna kill Buckbeak! And he like, breaks down. I think Robbie Coltrane does that so well, and it totally got to me.
1: Wow, I could not disagree more. <laughs> wow, I I'm, I'm sorry Paul for the thing that made you cry that like I'm annoyed that Hagrid is so stoic in that moment that the Hagrid I know and love cries at everything. And I mean, I don't want to be too book-compary, but like he doesn't break down and like I don't know it, it feel it doesn't feel like he's trying to hold it together it feels like he's waiting for his cue to cry and I just no that was not my favorite scene that's funny <laughs> though I do like him skipping stones that was that was sweet um I don't like the flying the flying buckbeak scene I felt like it was him like stretching out his arms and being like woohoo was kind of stupid <laughs> but then again I don't know I'm Cold-hearted, apparently. <laughs> Nothing moves your cold, dead heart. <laughs> Nothing not moves. Not <laughs> dead
0: hippogriffs, not living hippogriffs.
1: <laughs> I just couldn't emotionally connect that well with this movie because it was so fast-paced. Yeah. And because it was missing so many things yeah. that I love about the book. And, um, but, however, my favorite bit is the whole time travel part. The whole... The thing's breaking and her having the stone, mm-hmm. the the whole that Hermione makes the howling sound that calls him. Like, they just do several things to make it a fun, exact, contained loop. And I am a huge fan of time travel things wherein what was going to happen happened all along. Yep. And how it's a big twisty mess that you can't even unravel even if you try is my favorite kind of time travel. and And this movie does that and this book does that. And I, yeah, it's really, really well done. Yep. Um, every time I watch it, I look for Harry and Hermione doing the other thing in those scenes just to see if I can get a glimpse of them. I mean, you can't. They're not really there. But I always look for them and I look for, like, the moments when they are crossing over. Mm-hmm. I hate the werewolf. I hate uh, the Hogwarts outside is a big beautiful like stretch your arms and breathe Hogwarts on the inside in this movie and I don't know in the other movies too maybe is so claustrophobic
0: this is a claustrophobic movie when
1: they go and like and the fat lady's portrait has been slashed and like everyone is in that hall and there's just like there's no place to move the staircases are moving and they're all just trapped on them i felt so claustrophobic and like this isn't this is supposed to be this huge school why are they all, why is there 50 people all in this one place?
0: I totally agree. I didn't mention that, but when you say it, I felt that when I was watching it. The stairway is super claustrophobic. Even the Great Hall does not feel like they're spread out. Like It feels no, like they're all packed together. Smaller. And then the Togwarts Express also.
1: Yeah. The compartment
0: seemed really small, smaller than it used to be. And maybe that's just because they're bigger. But I don't yeah, think so. No, I think I the like set is smaller. Everything yeah. seemed claustrophobic. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. And I even, don't know if
1: that was on purpose, but it just even I didn't the like Dursleys' it.
0: house seemed small. Yeah, smaller than it used. Smaller to be. Smaller than
1: it used to be. I agree. I agree. The body horror of Marge was too much for me. I didn't. I. Uh, I don't know. It wasn't just wasn't what I wanted. I think we should move on. Should we move on into the way, way to portion of our show?
0: Let's, and I want to start with what I've teased since the beginning, which mm. is that night bus.
1: It's like a five minute scene that ruins so much
0: I hate I mean, I already said in terms of just my enjoyment. There's lots about the night bus that I hate, but one of the things, one of the many things I hate about it. Is shrunken heads are offensive. Uh, And a shrunken head with a Jamaican accent, wisecracking Jamaican style. Like, he's a parody of... He's a stereotype parody, non-human, literally non-human. Yep. Uh, It's just awful. Yes. It's awful. It's, It's... skin crawlingly cringeworthily awful. Uh I don't know if I need to go into why.
1: Hmm I think you should. Go into the little why shrunken heads are bad.
0: Shrunken heads uh the I mean basically shrunken heads are a problem because they are a signifier of primitive uh, backward foreign uh, barbarian culture. So like, you have a shrunken head because, and it is associated with vaguely pan-African, pan-Caribbean, uh, like in the most, in the least specific kind of way, which is part of why it's offensive. It's like, All these backward, uh, primitive folks. Yep. And then you give it an accent of someone that you are presuming is backwards and primitive. And then it's like shrunken heads and witch doctors and like boiling people in a pot and cannibals. And it's all just like uh, 19th century stereotypes that were used to justify colonialism. Yep. Absolutely. The why the white man's burden to bring civilization to these backwards people because they're eating each other and making shrunken heads?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you can't divorce shrunken heads from all that history yeah, and presenting exactly. shrunken heads as if they're like, "Ha ha, isn't it funny?" No, it's not very funny. No, exactly. And add on to that, it's also not funny. Like just in terms of the quality of the comedy. Absolutely, but even if it was like, shrunk, oh, shrunken heads are bad news, man.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's even tacked on to like this has this is not in the book. This is a completely tacked on thing, and it's tacked on terribly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's ex. It's yeah. Ugh, I hate. They're bad. They're bad. Yeah. Um. So that's. I think the worst thing about this movie. Yeah. Uh, there's And the shrunken heads come up again later. Like in, I think it's in the Honeydukes, there are shrunken heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like this director is like really attached to the idea of shrunken heads. Yeah. There's a thing in this movie that I don't think we've seen before of really uh, playing up the macabre element of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is present at all in the books. Mm-hmm. But like, just because it's a witch doesn't mean it's macabre. But, like, the s- spine candles. Mm-hmm. And the like That's all part of the shrunken heads are another part of There's that. There's
1: a whole bunch of skulls in Lupin's office. And,
0: like, I... So that's, I think, where the shrunken heads are coming from. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have a problem with playing up a macabre element in principle. But when that gets coded in exoticism Mm -hmm. and uh, primitivism, it's a problem.
1: Yeah, I agree. I kind of like the spine candles. I think they're really cool.
0: I think they look super cool, but also like... Why did Just because you're a wizard, why do you have spine candles?
1: I don't know. Because he thinks they're cool, like
0: yeah. we do? Yeah.
1: I wouldn't mind having some spine candles in our house. And that's
0: where, like... And <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, I don't think the, the macabre elements, I don't think, are bad in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. I just think that's where the shrunken heads come from. Yeah, absolutely. That's my point. Yeah.
1: In terms of, like, talking just about specific moments in this film, there was a moment... Where Hermione, when they're back in, when they're doing the whole time loop thing, she sees herself (laughs) from behind and she says, does my hair really look like that from behind? And I want to punch the screen because (laughs) in what world does Hermione care about the back of her hair?
0: You made like such an eye roll and sound when that line (laughs) happened. I, okay, you say your part first.
1: I just think that within the movies, within the books, within like, you know, setting aside the books within the movies, Hermione does not focus on appearance. She doesn't focus she especially on her own on her own. She I guess it'll happen in the next movie, but like she doesn't have time to worry about those things. She's worrying about other things, and I just feel like it's it's putting a very stereotypical girly line in her mouth. Why couldn't Harry say that? Do I yeah. really look like that from behind? It has to be the girl who says that because girl the girls are the only ones who are insecure about their bodies, yeah, and it's making it about in the middle of her being so clever. They diminish her by making her talk about her own body in a negative way. Yeah. And I just do not like that line. I think it's sexist, and I think it does not deserve to be in the Harry Potter world. What is your defense for it, Paul? White man?
0: Not so much a defense about of it, as in this movie and the previous one, I feel like you have really... Uh, emphasized that Hermione can't care about her appearance because she cares about her intelligence. Mm. And I think that that is not... Uh, I think you might want to wonder whether you are insisting on a dichotomy that doesn't have to exist.
1: I don't think that it's one or the other. I do think this character You're talking a bit as if
0: you think it is. Okay,
1: well, I don't mean that. I mean, for this character specifically, she, I mean, it's hard to separate the book from the movies because it's in the book that she has lines that are talking about her not caring. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't.
0: I mean, it's true as a character note, there should be some change in the next movie when she suddenly puts effort into how she presents her appearance and everyone is surprised. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's totally fair.
1: I think, I mean, I guess it's not fair to say she doesn't care. I don't know the exact inner workings of (laughs) Hermione Granger, except I do. I think that in a moment where she is concentrating on something completely else, when she is traveling in time and really thinking about not being seen and all this stuff, that that kind of a comment just doesn't fit and it mm-hmm. feels like it's just for the sake of being sexist
0: and that's where that's my other point that i am not sure i'm quite on board i totally have no disagreement at all and with you that uh they should have put that line in harry's mouth about harry instead uh i kind of like it as a moment of like we're in the middle of this super tense is that really what I look like from behind, because you don't ever see yourself from behind. Yeah. Uh, I kind of like the line. Mm-hmm. But I totally get take your point and agree with it, that, like, you put Hermione, the girl says something bad about her own body when she sees it. Like, just put that line in Harry's uh, mouth mm-hmm. and have him be like, is that really what my hair looks like from behind? Same line, exactly. And it, it doesn't have all the baggage along yeah. with it. Because I like the joke, I actually like the joke quite a lot, in a kind of small chuckle way, not a laugh joke, but of like, is that what I look like from behind? Is you know. Yeah, it's kind of funny, I guess. Because they're focused on some other thing, and then Mm -hmm. I feel like that totally is what one would be like, huh, I don't see myself from behind ever. Mm -hmm. But I totally don't at all disagree that, like, it diminishes Hermione specifically to put it in her mouth because of the tons of cultural baggage that they should be cognizant of. Mm -hmm.
1: And even Trelawney, as much as I like that line we played earlier of hers, there is the sense of uh, female rivalry, that the only two women to talk to each other are Hermione and Trelawney, and it's they're being catty to each other.
0: Because they threaten each other. Yeah, exactly. In the movie, way more than uh, in the book. There are lots of female characters in the book, and there are some who really, some of the students really love Trelawney. And there's no students in this who love Trelawney, because the only, because we really have to contrast the two women are at odds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Their, their intelligence or compo- their possible competence diminishes each other. Yeah. So Hermione acts as if, if Trelawney is any good, that diminishes Hermione somehow. Mm-hmm. And her and Trelawney absolutely acts as if uh, Hermione's intelligence diminishes Trelawney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm.
1: In terms of, I don't even know exactly where this goes in terms of way too seriously but what bugs me about this movie is it has no sense of continuity in those in itself. Harry in the very first scene is doing a spell and then he blows up his aunt by accident without doing a spell and then is worried he's going to be kicked out of Hogwarts because he did a spell Even though two seconds ago he did a spell on purpose.
0: Yeah, and this is, maybe we should have been talking about this in terms of the quality, because the script is not great. And that's an example of like, it's like this movie uh, hasn't seen itself. Mm -hmm. The writer of one scene didn't watch the previous scene. You make a great big deal about how He's going to be kicked out for doing underage magic. And like a second ago, he was doing underage magic. Yeah, and we exactly. thought we were like, our kids were like, he's not allowed to do underage magic immediately. And then like, you know, you wonder on a first viewing, you would wonder, oh, did they forget about that? But no, it's really important in this movie. Yeah. In this movie. In this movie. A scene later. Yeah. And in exactly. the same kind of way, like, this movie doesn't know. Just is not... Aware of whether the grim is real,
1: yeah, exactly,
0: right, uh, and that's not in the book and in a good movie, there could be some ambiguity, mm-hmm, but this isn't ambiguity this is the movie isn't doesn't know what it's trying to do, yeah, exactly, so like the grim appears in the clouds, but uh, also, oh, it wasn't the grim, it was just a dog but also. Like, those two things just aren't... It's like they aren't aware that those two things are referring to the same thing.
1: hmm Exactly.
0: And the same... By the same token, this all should go in quality, but who who, know, who cares? We're here. Let's talk about it now. By the same token, in terms of, like, the script that doesn't understand itself, uh, this is a little less of a big deal, maybe, but they never explain in this movie who... Moony, Prongs, Padfoot, and Wormtail to- are. Yeah,
1: and uh, Ron, uh, Ron is like, he's Nana Magus. Do we know what Nanimagus is? No. We've yeah, never heard of one
0: before. Hermione says in the uh, werewolf scene, Hermione explains what Nanimagus is. Uh, okay, maybe I was... mouse Snape said. says, what's the difference between a Nana Magus and a werewolf? Oh,
1: okay, okay. So we do know. We do know. I wasn't paying attention, obviously.
0: But we um, don't know, like... We don't know that we end this movie not knowing that James was an animagus. No! Or was a stag. Yeah. Or why a stag would be important. Nope. Or even really seeing that Harry's Patronus is a stag, like we sort of do.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Not very clearly. Yeah. For example. There's a lot of that kind of thing that is just like, are, do you even know what you're doing?
1: Exactly. This is exactly it. And Ron being MIA for the last scene, like, I guess he hurt his foot. In the book, he, like, really breaks his leg, So that's why he's out for the last, for the time travel. But in this, it's just like, oh, you're lying in your bed. We'll just go without you. It's kind of jerky to Ron.
0: He has a scrape on his, he has, like, a dog bite. Yeah, okay. On his leg. Yeah, but it's kind of like they're paying him back for Hermione being out for the third act of the last movie. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, we got in, back into quality. Is I know. there anything specifically about the, uh, in this too serious the, that you want to come back to in this movie? We could talk about uh, people of color in this movie, which is, this is again quite a white world. Mm hmm. There's an unnamed student. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Who's who, given a few
1: lines. But who is he? It would have been nice if we'd had a name or who we'd
0: know yeah. who he was. And that's it. Yeah. Just, he's the only actor of color working in this movie that I can remember. Dean Thomas is in it, too. Doesn't have any lines, though. He does. He does have a couple lines. Does he have yeah. a line? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's that. But barely, yeah.
1: Barely doesn't cut it, people.
0: Harry, Harry Potter film world continues to be a very, very white world. Yeah, literature does. And there's, I mean, I'm not sure if there's much else to make a big. Oh, we could talk about um, as we did in *Philosopher's Stone*. This is really inherited from the books, but. There's a real uh, fat phobia in this movie also. Yes,
1: yes. And a grotesqueness to blowing up Marge in that she... She's yelling and then she starts inflating and it just like her buttons pop off and they hit Dudley and it shows like her garters. And it's just, yeah, there's something about it. that's that's more
0: disturbing than it should be. I felt because it's all about, I think it is all about the clothes popping off mm-hmm. is the buttons that, that three of her buttons pop off two mm-hmm. hit Dudley. And then there's another one that like goes flying and breaks the cuckoo clock. Yeah. And like, That she's inflating out of her clothes is, like, uncomfortable. And uh, there's a both, like, it makes her, uh, we don't like her because she's mean and bad. But, like, her she's losing her clothes makes her vulnerable in a way that I am not comfortable with at all. Mm -hmm. And there's also just the, like, her clothes are too small for her. Because she's inflating is like playing on tropes of fat shaming. Yeah, exactly. Like she, her clothes don't fit because she's such a bad fat, bad fatty.
1: Yeah. No, it's a, no, the worst kind of possible punishment would be to make someone extra fat.
0: So extra fat that her clothes fall off. Yeah, like, exactly. It's very uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: So in the end, Prisoner of Azkaban, good, seriously good. I think,
0: oh, I think it is medium in terms of, in terms of goodness. Mm-hmm. I think that it is like, if you gave it an extra half hour <laughs> and an extra two months, you would have a good movie. An extra two months of, like, go back over this one more time. Yeah. You would have a good movie. There are the seeds of a very good movie in Prisoner of Azkaban, but it's not really there. And I I think the back half of it is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first half of it is medium bad. Mm-hmm. So that makes me want to call it medium good as a whole. hmm How about you? Do you yeah, agree Yeah,
1: I'm... I'm inclined to agree with you.
0: In terms of seriousness, what do you think?
1: I don't know. That shrunken head just puts it over. I agree. But it's not... I wouldn't call it seriously bad, all the way to bad, but it's close to it. There's just those couple of moments that just are so cringeworthy.
0: Yeah. We get... Hermione punching out, punching someone out. That's pretty good. That's a moment of empowerment or whatever. Yep. Sure. Sort of. I think it's seriously medium. Kind I'm of not, medium
1: all around. It's just a medium, a medium lukewarm. Movie. I'm
0: definitely not accounts. willing to call it good. Yeah. I'm not willing to go higher than medium. Yeah. And I might be willing to go all the way to seriously bad. That shrunken head is really bad. Mm. It's a very bad scene. Yeah.
1: But it's only like five minutes in the whole movie.
0: It's true. It and never, the rest it of the never movie comes is back. never as bad as that. So, in serious terms. Mm. It's serious. It has the, shrun- the fat shaming scene, the hilarious uh, barbarian's shrunken head scene. The Hermione shames her own body scene. Oh, the hunchback.
1: I didn't even the mention hunchback. that. The, like, hilarious deformities hunchback. Deformities
0: I don't think he's meant to be funny, but deformities uh, are monstrous.
1: Yeah.
0: Non... Yeah. Okay, I'm bumping it to seriously bad. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. It's still a Harry Potter movie, you know? It's still a Harry Potter movie, and... Having said all of this, I kind of want to end back on, uh, I have a lot of personal affection for this movie for personal reasons. And I can make criticisms, but I still will want to watch this movie again. Absolutely. So, even though I think it's medium and seriously bad, I'm going to watch it again.
1: Yep. <laughs> a thousand percent. I would watch this over Chamber of Secrets any day. Any day. All right. Well, if you want to tell us your thoughts on Harry Potter and your thoughts on Prisoner of Azkaban specifically, what do you think of the shrunken head? What do you think of the werewolf? Do you hate the werewolf as much as we hate the werewolf? Do you like the werewolf?
0: Who knows? I don't think that's possible.
1: Let us know. You can tweet to us at WTSCast you can send us your long form email diatribe w- way too seriously cast at gmail.com. All of those links are in our show notes. We also have links to our Reddit page, our Insta, Facebook thing, all yeah. that, all that stuff. Plus Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast is where you could support us, get a little bit of bonus extra stuff Even for a dollar a month, you can get bonus trivia episodes. Um, If you like this show and you want to hear more and you want your friends to enjoy it too, tell them about it. Give us a rating.
0: Yeah, I'm going to really... We haven't been pushing hard on it for a long time, but I'm going to push hard right now on rating and reviewing. Mm -hmm. Not just this show, but all your shows. If you listen to a show, if you've listened to more than one go rate them on iTunes this and all your shows take 15 minutes give five star ratings to the shows that you subscribe to because if you subscribe to them you like them uh, it'll really help them out mm-hmm. they'll be so grateful you'll feel good about yourself write a rating write a review is even better like tell them some because I will read the reviews and we'll have warm feelings in our hearts yep Uh, so honestly, please do that. Not just for us, for us, but also for the other shows that you enjoy. Mm -hmm.
1: Also, if you're catching up on this show and it's like a year after we've released it, we still want to hear from you. We want to know that people are still listening. So give us a shout out, even if you're listening to this in like 2020. That seems like a distant future distant to me right
0: future, now. <laughs> if they still have internet in 2020. If they still
1: have internet. Yes. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap this sucker up. I guess we already have.
0: Yeah. Um, I've been Jan Moffat. I've been Paul Moffat. And I did my waiting 20 years of it. It yes! Come on.
1: We just woke up our kids with that shouting. Please don't shout like that.
0: Yeah, probably. Don't do that. Okay.
1: You didn't know waiting any person of any kind. <laughs> That's
0: true. I do. I, I hate waiting. <laughs>